Now let me ask you something. Do you think that some of our nations have blind spots that some of our politicians and some of us as human beings have blind spots? Do you think that some of the things that we experience and that we do show that we have a little bit of blindness going on. Now, I think we do. That even if we want to get to Jesus, we often need help to get there. Who is leading our nation to the healer? We're in Mark chapter 8. Now, if you've been following along with the Mark series, you'll think, well, hang on a minute, haven't we skipped a load of chapters? And the simple answer to that is, yes, we have. And we may come back to some of those. But this weekend is sort of like uh, Canada Day weekend. And there's some stuff that I wanted us to look at that I think is quite important in regards to Canada Day or any national day really. Um, so I want to look at a, a miracle that Jesus did in Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. It's actually one of my favorite miracles and miracle stories that happened in the Bible. Uh, I, just, I just find the whole thing intriguing. Uh, as Jesus is walking along with his disciples, some people, and it doesn't tell you who, doesn't fill in those details but it tells you that somebody brought him a blind man now I think that detail is quite important this blind man was brought to him now you might think it's obvious um, and I, I suppose it is a little bit this blind guy couldn't get to Jesus on his own even if he wanted to he needed help so somebody brought him to Jesus and he's blind. Think I mentioned that. That is a crucial detail. Now let me ask you something. Do you think that some of our nations have blind spots? Do you think that some of our politicians and some of us as human beings have blind spots. Do you think that some of the things that we experience and that we do show that we have a little bit of blindness going on? Now, I think we do. Now, what's important about pointing that out is this, is that even if we want to get to Jesus, we often need help to get there. And that's what happened with this man. He couldn't get there on his own, even if he wanted to. So who is leading people with blind spots to Jesus? Who is doing that? Who is leading our nation to the healer? Who is leading our politicians to the healer? Who is leading the brokenness in our nation to the one person who can heal? 
The answer to that is often nobody. But somebody brought this guy to Jesus. I wish there were more bringers. I wish there were more people who were prepared to actually bring people to the healer instead of criticizing all the time, instead of uh, posting things, tearing governments down, tearing people's opinions down. Instead of doing that, why not bring them to the healer? It, it seems a far more kingdom thing to do because the easiest position in the world to take is a position of criticism is a position of pointing the finger, of, of slanging people off. It's the easiest position to have on the planet, especially if, if you don't have any responsibility for the outcome of the actions. We can all quarterback on a Monday morning, but very few people can quarterback during the heat of the game, when decisions that are made actually have consequences. So this guy is brought to Jesus. The first thing that Jesus doesn't do is criticize him. Doesn't tell him off for being blind. He, he, just, he just grabs him by the hand. Takes him by the hand and then leads him. Takes him by the hand and leads him outside of the village. Let me ask you a question. Again, not a trick question. What does the village represent? He takes him outside the village because the village represents something. Now, if you know the Prohaskas, Rich and, and Heather and the girls, uh, you know that they have a dog and the dog is called Cola. Cola is a blind dog. Now, I don't mean that Cola is a guide dog. Cola is blind. Uh, blind. A dog that's blind. Um, she's not deaf. She's blind. And so, when you meet Cola, you don't know she's blind. Why? Because everywhere that you meet her and, and they have her around the house is absolutely familiar territory. She knows where everything is. But if, if you move around it and you put objects in her way, she'll just bump into them. It's familiar territory. It's mapped out in her memory. She knows how to move around in the environment that she's familiar with. So, this village environment is familiar territory for the blind guy. And Jesus takes him by the hand and leads him into unfamiliar territory. Now there's a thought. But that's not the fun bit. You see, being taken outside of familiar territory is just really where this story starts to get a little bit strange. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be in familiar surroundings. Um, it's, it's fun, but I also like adventure. I like to go to places I've never been to before. But that might change if I was blind. And this guy is being taken outside of everything that's familiar and placed in an environment where he has to trust the person who's leading him. Now, I don't know if you have trust issues. I sometimes do. 
Um, and, and, but in this situation, this guy is being led into an unfamiliar environment, which I would think as a blind person, which I have never been, is a pretty scary place to be. Now you might think, oh yeah, but he's used to it. He's been blind for most of his life or all of his life. This part of the story doesn't tell us whether that's true or not. Um, you don't know how long this guy's been blind, but he may have been used to being led by people. But as far as we know, this is his first encounter with Jesus. So he doesn't actually know Jesus and he doesn't know maybe whether he's trustworthy or not. Other people have brought him to Jesus. He didn't even find his own way there. And suddenly this person who he's only just been introduced to is leading him in a course in his life that he's not familiar with. I wonder how many of us are actually prepared to allow Jesus to lead us in a course in our life that we are not familiar with. But that's not all that happens. Listen to this. Jesus took him by the hand and led him outside the village. You see, I'm not lying. That's in verse 23. Then he spat. <laughs> then, I'm trying to be serious. This is the word of God. Then he spat in his eyes. Um, that's wrong. I don't know if you, I don't know how you bring your children up. When we brought our children up, we told them it's wrong to spit. We never actually told them it's wrong to spit unless you're spitting at a blind person. That wasn't part of our conversation. There is no culture on the face of the earth where it is okay to spit in somebody's face. It really isn't. Um, it's just not, especially in this culture, it's an absolute insult to do that. And here we see Jesus is spitting in somebody's eyes who is invalided by blindness. Um, I'm not sure that invalided is a proper word. I'm really not sure what the correct term now is for somebody who's blind. They have a disadvantage anyway because they are blind and they can't see the spit coming. There's no way to protect themselves. It's like, dude, that's wrong. You'd wonder what would happen if somebody YouTubed that. That they just... That they, that, and it would be typical of that type of thing, that they only YouTube that bit. Jesus goes up and abuses a blind man. <laughs> Spits in his face. In fact, they just put that up there and then say, oh yeah, Jesus should be, Jesus should be killed. Hmm. Jesus spits in a blind man's face. I, I've read lots of children's Bibles. I've looked through children's stories. You, you don't see a picture in, the, in a children's Bible of Jesus hocking a loogie in a blind man's face. You don't see that. I've never seen a stained glass window. I've been to many cathedrals all over the world. Never seen a stained glass window that has Jesus hocking a loogie in a blind man's face. You never see it. Why? Because it's so culturally wrong that there's no societal norm for that. You can imagine the horror and the looks of the people who are around. The miracle hasn't happened yet. They don't know what's coming next. We do, because we read this 2100 uh, centuries later, and, and we read this, and we know that he heals the guy, but at this point, they don't. The spittle hits the guy's eyes, and everybody's in shock and horror. What on earth is going to happen next? And Jesus wipes the spit, which exposes... 
It's the polite thing to do after you spat in somebody's face to, to wipe the spit off the guy's eyes. And he asks him a question. He says, do you see? Can you see anything? And the man says, yeah, listen to this, listen. He says, yes, but I don't see very clearly. I see people and they, and they walk, they're looking like trees. They look like trees to me. Can you see anything? Yeah, I can, but things aren't very clear. Does that sound like anybody you know? It sounds like me sometimes, honestly. Uh, yeah, I, I'm better than I was, but there's still work to do. I, I've had the touch of Jesus on my life, but there's all this other stuff that needs to happen because things still look weird. Uh, things are still a mess. Things are clearly not in focus the way that they are supposed to be. Um, so I still need help. And, and so this man gets a second touch. You know, you know sometimes, sometimes I think in our lives we go through things, especially if we're around Christian circles, we're around church circles very long, and, and you might be in a service and somebody might say, hey, you know, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Do you want to have Jesus uh, become Lord of your life? And we get this touch from Jesus and we carry on, but, but, but we still can't see things clearly. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not where we were, but we're not where we're going to be. And Jesus comes along and invest more time with this guy and and clears up some of the things that he needs to see i wish that we would spend enough time around jesus that he could clear up some of the things that we need to see um it's quite clear from the way that the bible teaches that jesus sent the holy spirit to us to be able to help us to see what we are supposed to see and to see things the way that we're supposed to see them so Jesus reaches out and he, and he touches this guy a second time. Now, as we're reading through this story, it's quite easy for us to think, well, of course the guy let Jesus lead him. It's Jesus. But like I say, he didn't know him. And even if he was a sighted person with 20-20 vision, Jesus would have just looked like everybody else walking around in first century Palestine. He didn't glow in the dark. In first century Palestine, Jesus would have looked like everybody else. He didn't glow in the dark. He didn't have fat, naked, flying babies circling him all the time going, Messiah, Messiah. He, he was just a normal person. So even if he could see him, he would have had nothing visually to go on. And we might think, well, of course he, he, let, he let Jesus he, do all this stuff to him. Of, of course uh, people stood by when Jesus spat in his face. Um, there was no other choice. And so we can look at this and we can say, well, in, in those days, this blind man had no other choice. So of course he, he let himself be led and healed by Jesus. So let me ask you a question. What makes you think you have another choice? What makes you, we, us, me, think that I have another option? What if what this book says is true and Jesus is my only hope? What if that's true? I'm not saying it is. I believe it is, but I'm not telling you to believe that. Like, what... What if that is true? What if he's my only hope? What makes you think that you have another choice? 
What makes me think I have another choice? Other than to trust myself to be led by Jesus outside of what I'm normally comfortable with. Like, what if he's my only hope? What if he's my only hope and I turn my back on him? What if he's my only hope and I, and I won't let him lead me? What if he's my only hope and I won't trust him? What if he's the only person who can, who can actually solve all the issues in my life, but he's, he's, he's going to do it in a way that's not socially acceptable? Wow, there's a thought. What if he doesn't follow the normal self-help route? What if he doesn't say that that my self-esteem just needs to be adjusted. <laughs> because I can still be a blind person with great self-esteem. In this story. But he goes right to the root of the issue. Takes the man by the hand and leads him in unfamiliar territory and sets him free. Gives him clear vision and sight. It seems to me, as I look around our nation, especially on Canada Day and all the things that are surrounding this particular Canada Day, that we need some clarity in our vision. Now, I don't know who's leading people to the feet of Jesus. I don't know who's introducing to the healer. But I do know this. I, I, I believe this. I choose to believe this. You may not. I choose to believe this that Jesus is our only hope. He's the only hope for healing in our nation. I really believe that. Um, I believe he's the only hope. I'm not sure he's gonna do it in a culturally nice way. I'm really not. Um, I do know this, that if I trust myself to him and I allow him to lead me in unfamiliar territory, I believe he can heal me of my short-sightedness. And I don't mean physical short-sightedness. I mean, I mean my short-sightedness when it comes to other people, different opinions. I, I, I believe that he can, he can heal me and lead me into the way that I should be truly li living my life. I believe that he can set me free. I truly believe that. And I believe too that he can truly set you free. But we have to be just like this blind guy. We have to allow him to lead us in unfamiliar territory that might be culturally uncomfortable to us. And that might mean different things to different people. But I know it means trusting the same Jesus. My prayer today is that God will heal the blindness in our nation. And I believe Jesus is the way for that to happen. So bless you. Stay safe this weekend. Thanks for listening. You don't have a ton of things in common with God, but there is one thing. You speak. So does he. God spoke light into existence with his words. I wonder what you could speak into existence with your words this week. I wonder what kind of love you could speak into your marriage that feels like it's in neutral. I wonder what kind of courage you could speak into the heart of a child who's hurting. I wonder what kind of peace you could speak into your broken friendship. What kind of hope you could speak into your own weary soul. 
I want you to know that the most powerful words you're going to speak this week is probably not going to be on a stage or a conference call or closing the deal with a client that you want. The most powerful words you're going to speak is probably just with one or two people listening, maybe zero. It's totally possible that the most powerful sentence you'll say this week is a thoughtful text message that you send to a friend who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's the apology email that you finally get the courage to send. It's the whispered prayers through tears in the middle of a dark night. Powerful words aren't just for preachers who stand behind pulpits. They're for parents who stand next to bunk beds and speak life with their kids. For spouses who share hopes and dreams during pillow talk and not criticism. For teenagers Stand up to bullies. Stand up for the uncool kids. Your tongue is so small, but so powerful. Your tongue is telling a story.
Thank you.